Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Tuesday, February 14th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. The Prime Minister says a pattern is emerging as Canada and the United States investigate unidentified objects in their airspace. The fact that we are seeing this uh, in a significant degree over the past week uh, is a cause for uh, interest and, and uh, uh, close attention, uh, which is exactly what we're doing. We've employed signif- deployed significant resources here. Uh, to be able to recover the uh, the object, as well as uh, diplomatic and uh, international engagements going on uh, to find more information and to get solutions on this. Canada's premiers accept the federal government's health care proposal. We've got something here that was far less than what we'd asked for, but um, but we, we need to move forward. So it was kind of a, um, a collective opinion amongst uh, the group. Um, I, I would say, though, there's, there's certainly a, a recognition that um, and a very strong recognition that this doesn't begin to reflect the, the needs in the healthcare system. And John Tory will stay on as Toronto's mayor until that city's budget is passed. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. Joining us is Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, happy Valentine's Day. I've got my Valentine's socks on. I've had a couple of chocolates. Well, last night, <laughs> and let's hope they're not cadmium filled. But uh, I've got yeah. I've I've got chocolate sitting here right now too. I'm going to try not to eat them for breakfast. Well, and let's hope they don't have the lead or cadmium. <laughs> but so what? Yeah, so what if they do? It's Valentine's Day, right? Exactly. So, yes. No, it's good. So um, there's so many things going on in terms of this uh, story about the balloon and the unidentified objects, and uh, we've had people out answering questions. The prime minister was out yesterday. Anita Anand has been out. Uh, John Kirby the National Security Council spokesperson. But do we know anything more than we knew? No, I think one of my favorite lines has been um, so far the Pentagon shot down an octagon or something like that. <laughs> uh, but we, apart from the shape, um, and we, we, we don't even know who these balloons, whether they are balloons, I think we're now calling them objects. We're not even sure whether they're state-sponsored or private. You know, they they could be um, companies. We really are are not sure what is going on there. We, we do know that NORAD is working, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, as one of my colleagues said uh, yesterday, uh, this will remind Canadians that NORAD does more than just track Santa, uh, which is <laughs> sometimes the only time we we hear about it. But you remember back in back in June, the prime minister and Anita Nand uh, on their way to a, a meeting with Biden went to Colorado Springs and talked about NORAD. And um, and in that way, they were hoping to um, to demonstrate to to the United States that Canada is serious about defense and with contributions of uh, upping contributions to NORAD. So here we are. Uh, about six or seven months later, and we are seeing that NORAD does work uh, and that NORAD is why all of a sudden we are seeing this flurry of objects in the sky. I have no idea. And and John Kirby, the U.S. national security spokesperson, was was blunt about that, too. It's it may be that they've just changed the criteria for you know what merits their attention. Know that they've they've tuned the so radar. So they're looking more, more so they're seeing more, kind of, and shooting and shooting down more. 
So um, whether this is some new permanent feature or I, I, I don't think we're going to know for a little while. We, we don't know that all of this is belongs to China and China is denying it. So um, is denying anything beyond the weather balloon. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. So, and of course the conservatives, um, you know, we're pointing out uh, that this just shows how ill-prepared uh, we are to kind of patrol the skies and so on. But luckily, I, I guess for the liberals, as they did announce the purchase of uh, F-35s, which have been years in the making, especially when Trudeau said he wasn't going to buy them. So, I mean, that announcement was was just made. So um, I, I suppose in that sense, eventually we're going to look better prepared than we are. Yes, but not, not immediately. That's going to be a, a while away. You know, today is also the anniversary of the emergency declaration uh, that uh, for the convoy last right. year. Remember right. that was Valentine's Day. Wow. Yeah. What Now, why do I bring this up? Because it, it does remind me, I was thinking yesterday, this does remind me a little bit of the initial reaction to the convoy was, you know, it, it, this the first that Chinese weather balloon drifted over Canada for a while before it was eventually shot down days later and it it does remind me that that some of these threats are only realized to be threats later after you you know in retrospect after, in retrospect that's yeah. the word i was looking for yes it, but but the initial idea and the conservatives were sort of touching on this not making the comparison but um was that canada was a little casual about the chinese weather balloon for many days until the u.s shot it down and now you know Canada, like the U.S., seems um, eager to shoot anything down. Right. So who knows? It may take us as long to get answers on what the debris exposes as it does to get the F-35s. We don't know. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but exactly. anyway, we all wait. We all wait to see what what is behind all this. So it's now, just, if, it, if it wasn't national security threatening, it's kind of fun. Whoever thought we'd be doing stories about balloons? I know. You know that, well, that's the beauty of reporting. Yeah. You never know what yeah. happens next, right? <laughs> yep. So uh, now we we I think you did tweet yesterday. At least one thing isn't shot down, and that's the premiers <laughs> have accepted the health deal. Now, are you? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'm a bit surprised um, that this was so easy. Mm. It, uh, you know, a, a week ago when we were talking, they hadn't met yet, but we predicted that this was going to take a long time, you know, that uh, that none of this was going to be easy because the premiers were digging in. But last Friday and Thursday, Doug Ford was meeting with uh, Dominic LeBlanc and Chris, Christian Freeland and singing their praises and talking about the federal leadership on health care. So it looks like they're, they're only right now having to dot I's and cross T's, but most of the provinces are signed on for the deal, the take it or take it deal that uh, <laughs> J Justin Trudeau gave them last week. That's uh, they, they're reserving the right to keep complaining, but I mm -hmm. think that's sort of part of the Canadian constitution, right? But they are not um, the complaining clause. We call it. That's right. Yes. Yes. So the uh, Heather Stephenson, who is now chair of the premiers, uh, the current chair, in all her interviews was saying, don't think we're we're happy about this, but we're we're saying yes. Right. And so, I mean, let's face it, if if they all said no and went on and on and on, wouldn't 
Canadians go crazy. Like people need to see some kind of hope in the healthcare system because they've been dealing with this crisis now for months and during the pandemic. Yeah, you're right. They absolutely could not afford to say no. And it it is a start. It's not what Heather Stephenson says, and she may indeed be right. This is not the money that's needed for a long-term fix for the, you know, the a creative, innovative uh, things that the premiers say they need to do. It's not enough money for that. This is, she's calling this, you know, like putting a, a patch on a, a bicycle tire or something that, that it's, it's not going to change the Medicare system, but it's going to um, help. Right. So, and they talk about the fiscal cliff because of it goes on for 10 years, but they're saying what happens after that. But let's face it. I mean, I mean, no one, you know, who's going to predict what happens after that. They'll probably have to just keep asking as they go along uh, yeah. for more money and so on. But OK, so at least we've got that and they'll sort out the bilateral agreements. Now, uh, let's move on to John Tory, because that was quite the story. And uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about that. Now, are you of the... Um, Rosie DeMano view that this was not a firing offense or are you with others who say this dalliance with a staffer is the red line you don't cross? Well, it's, I was, uh, I was at the Met on Friday night when this whole thing blew up and, and literally that's uh, everybody ran over to the television to watch (laughs) John Turner and views were very divided at that restaurant even is why was he doing this and Mm -hmm. how very, how very Canadian, how very provincial for, uh, you know, and and uh, how very Toronto for someone to to resign because of an affair, you know, in, in France. I was going to say in France, it. like, hello. Yes. Um, you bring your mistress to your funeral. <laughs> exactly. Exactly what I was thinking. But um, but I think this is um, I think I'm of the view that John Tory did need to resign. And uh, we had a great story from uh, Dave Ryder. I should give him a shout out. Our Queen's, our City Hall bureau chief, who broke the story, went through yesterday uh, in some detail about how behind the scenes, no matter how they they looked at it and and sort of envisioned how it would work out, it would end with John Tory resigning. Mm-hmm. They, it is his brand. He is. Um, it, it just didn't fit with the idea of who he is. He was there to de-dramatize Toronto after the years of uh, Rob Ford. Mm -hmm. So it it just didn't, it it, it didn't work for him. I I think I'm of that view too. And I think, I'm not sure that it sets a precedent that we can make a rule out of this. I think this is very particular to John Tory, but I think the fact that it was a staffer as well. And he was traveling with her and going on trips. Yes, all of that uh, is is uh, concerning. So I, I think I am of the view that, yes, he did, uh, in, in all seriousness, he did need to resign. Not that it means everybody who fools around on their spouse while they're in office has to resign. Oh, my God, there'd uh, be an exodus to the doors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're there'd not be kidding. no one left. <laughs> Yeah, a chain so, of office sitting on a desk <laughs> with no one wearing it. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> but but yes, I think uh, I think he did need to resign. Uh, the, the the race to succeed him is going to be interesting. You know, there we've heard some rumors that 
that there are people in Ottawa who are going to be interested in that job. It's the federal level, uh, Ahmed Hussein's name, the um, minister mm. from Toronto, mm-hmm. is, uh, is one of the people. I don't know that there'll be others. We've already got a couple of Liberal MPs looking for the provincial Ontario leadership, uh, Liberal leadership. So I, I would imagine we should keep our eye on Ottawa to see who's interested in that job, From not just Liberals, Conservatives might be too. Well, let's just uh, talk about the, the, the what's happening next, though. He plans to show up for the budget uh, because I guess it's a budget he put together. It's his budget uh, under this whole strong mayor uh, system that he um, that he has. Uh, some people are saying maybe he's going to try to drag that out and, um, you know, wait for the draft John Tory kind of movement to, you know, stay there, John. It wasn't that bad. I mean, do you, do you think it's just going to be budget and he's gone? Yeah, it's almost how can we miss you when you won't go away? But he <laughs> he uh, I see the argument that uh, that he, he does have to or that that he wants to, to see that. But I, it's hard to imagine him as a having an authoritative voice at the table now that he has come out with this admission. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw counselors reactions over the weekend and they're incredulous, but he does not have the same uh, leave moral authority out of it, just just authority that he had before Friday. So I suspect this is um, this is a finale, not uh, a, a way to beginning? try to get back in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, um, a lot to watch for and uh, keep your eye on the sky, as we say. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, okay, so have a great day and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, nice. Happy Valentine's Day again. Thank Julia. you. So that was Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. The two recent violations of Canadian sovereignty and Canadian airspace should be a wake up call. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In a special to the Globe and Mail, Christian Luprecht argues the mysterious flying objects are proof that North America is officially vulnerable. He writes, we are best able to protect ourselves when we understand our adversaries' capabilities and intent. And Canada and the U.S. have long done so with great success. Yet the interception of a growing number of unidentified objects in Canadian and U.S. airspace some of which are believed to be of Chinese or Russian origin, shows that we are in fact vulnerable. Modernizing Canadian air defense, along with the long overdue deal for F-35 fighter jets, are down payments to fulfill the most fundamental obligation of the state, keeping its citizens safe and the country secure. In the Toronto Star, columnist Ed Keenan argues Taking back his resignation would betray John Tory's lifelong brand, he writes. John Tory hasn't formally submitted his resignation yet, and apparently now isn't planning to until after the budget meeting this week. It's all fueling speculation he could be about to ask for a mulligan. It might make sense in the abstract for a politician to try to do it. But Tory isn't cut out for a communication strategy that is based on absolute shamelessness. The question isn't if his poll numbers can stand up to a mudslinging contest. It's how much mud personally he is willing to be covered in while standing in the center of the pig pen, smiling and trying to carry on his business. And in Tory's case, I think the answer is very little mud. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. 
The Prime Minister will speak this morning at the funeral of former Mississauga Mayor Hazel McCallion. This afternoon, he will chair the Cabinet meeting before speaking with the Prime Minister of New Zealand. In Richmond, B.C., International Development Minister Harjit Sajjan will provide details on two projects that will be delivered by the British Columbia Institute of Technology. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will meet with Canadian manufacturers and exporters in Ottawa. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, February 14th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.